Hello, Awakening. Hope everyone's doing well. Thank you, Nassim, for that introduction. Yes, my name is Saye. At Awakening, I'm also known as Nassim's dad. I serve on the Leadership Council, and I also serve in Set Up and Tear Down, which I miss so much. Nick, it's so good to see you today. I miss our services at Awakening uh, Del Mar. I miss seeing you faces. I miss being together with you guys. And I'm sure you are going through the same thing. This sure is a strange season that we're all going through. Some days, I think this is all just a bad dream and that I'm going to wake up one day and snap out of it. Do you feel that too? It sure is a strange season in the life of so many. We have uh, relatives in Europe and in the Middle East, and Shadi and I have been FaceTiming our relatives more often nowadays. It is so strange, it's so weird to see how the whole world is going through this thing, this season, at the same time. Who would have guessed a few months ago that this would be the new norm? Who would have uh, predicted it? I'm sure this one is going to make it into history books. I want to take time to thank Awakening for giving me the opportunity to share God's word with you. Today, we're going to go through Psalm 77, and I will be reading uh, from the NIV translation. So go ahead, grab your Bibles, turn to Psalm 77. Psalm 77 was written by a man named Asaph. He was a descendant of Levi, so he was a Levite. And you recall Levi was one of the founders of the Levite tribe. They directed worship service at the time. He was commissioned by David to lead worship. He was a music director. So most likely he wrote much of the music that accompanied the psalms that they sang in their worship service. The psalm is about suffering and struggles, but it also ends with so much hope. So I've picked the title for today's message as Remembering God. We read starting verse 1. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. The Bible doesn't tell us what Asaph was going through, but from his word, we can tell he was in a very tight spot. This is a familiar situation. Many of us have gone through difficult seasons in life at one point or another. And difficulties and sufferings are usually associated with grief of loss of some sort, either loss of a loved one, loss of financial means, loss of a relationship with someone we were very close to, when you think about it in the last three months in this pandemic season, so much suffering and grief has happened in the world. 
Millions have lost their jobs. Just in the U.S. alone, 100,000 people have lost their life in a short span of three months. I was thinking that's an average of 1,100 deaths a day due to this pandemic alone. That is mind-boggling. Our prayers, our thoughts go for, with so many, for so many families who are suffering in this season. The Bible talks about suffering and struggle in both the Old and the New Testament. Job, who suffered more than most of us would ever, observed that suffering is as inevitable as, as sparks flying upward from a fire. The question regarding suffering isn't one of if, but of when and how much. You may be going through a season of suffering today. And like Asaph, you may be praying and crying out to God and you feel you're not comforted. This psalm is for you. He goes on, verse 5, I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated and my spirit asked, Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? When we don't see our circumstances change, we are tempted to doubt God for his character, for his goodness, and his grace. As a child of God, when we go through life's trials, naturally, we ask God for help. But when we don't receive that help, we feel hurt and rejected that God doesn't even care. More than the pain and suffering that we experience, the doubt becomes the real issue we face. And this brings me to the first point in this message, that amidst suffering, we are tempted to doubt God. You know, our struggles and our suffering can create a false notion of God. Asaph is questioning God's character. He says, will the Lord reject forever? Which means, maybe Lord, you don't care about me now, but my question is, will you ever? It sure seems forever. Often in life, we interpret what might be for a short season of life as forever. Like Asaph, we might question, God, will you show your favor again? Meaning, I've been crying out for so long. Will you ever respond? He goes on, verse 8, Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? I used to think, God, that your love never failed. But now I question that. Will I ever experience your love again? I've been so faithful to you, and now that I need you, all I get is silence. And he goes on in verse 9. Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? 
as days go on, as we don't see change in our situation, we wonder, God, do you even remember me? Does my problem, does my suffering even matter to you? Or like Asaph, we may wonder, maybe God is mad at me. That's why I'm suffering. So we begin looking for reasons to blame ourselves as we suffer. And doubt continues to erode our faith. Doubt continues to erode our faith in a loving and caring God. I love how the Bible helps us see ourselves in the characters, in the biblical characters like Asaph. I love how the Bible doesn't show them as some superheroes. They are ordinary people like you and I. They go through suffering like we do, and they struggle with doubt as we might. I love how the Bible is so real that even Asaph's struggle with doubt is recorded in the Bible, that God allows it, that God lets us vent our frustrations at him, even to the point of doubting him. How we choose to respond to such questions that emerge in such times will have a huge impact on how we perceive God. And this leads me to my second, to the second point of this message, that our faith should rest on God's power. As we read, this is a turning point in the psalm for Asaph, where he goes, verse 10, Then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out his right hand, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on your mighty deeds. Asaph decides to switch his focus from doubting God to remembering what God has done in his life. I often have to remind myself of that too. I often remind myself of what God has done in my life miracles that I've experienced in my, in my life. And I'd like to share some of that with you. As I reflect on my own life, I'm reminded that my salvation about 20 years ago is probably the biggest miracle of my life. You see, I grew up an atheist for the first 40 years of my life. I felt I had accomplished most of my goals in life. I had married my beautiful wife, Shadi, we had two wonderful children, Nassim and Sepan. We both had great jobs. We had very good education. We had our, a cozy home and two cars in the garage. Yet I felt something is missing. I felt there is no purpose in life. What is the meaning of life? So at the invitation of a friend, we attended church services. And in less than five weeks of hearing the word of God preached, I gave my heart to Jesus. A couple months later, that same year, Shadi also gave her heart to Jesus. And our lives have changed forever. The rest is history. I consider that a big miracle in my life. A couple of weeks ago, Shadi and I celebrated our 36th anniversary. Yay! I am so excited to share this with you. 
We've been married for 36 years. The first 16 years were good, were okay. But I tell you, the last 20 years have been amazing, especially how God has helped Shadi and I grow so much closer to one another. We owe it so much to God for shaping our characters. Another miracle I've witnessed that I recall is that 12 years ago, Nassim and her friends were involved in a car accident, a severe one. A young kid, the driver of this other car, was drunk driving at high speed in a quiet neighborhood in San Jose late at night, and he ran a red light. The front of the car that Nassim and the passengers were in was completely smashed, but miraculously, none of them were hurt, not even a scratch on their, on their skin. And this is a miracle that um, I cherish for the rest of my life, how the Lord protected my daughter. When I think about it, we don't have to go and look far for miracles. I see miracle of God almost every day in my life. For instance, in this COVID-19 season, like some of you, I work from home. I like the fact that I could take breaks when I want. And I like the fact that I could just come out of my home office and chit chat a little bit with my wife or Nassim or Shadi. We talk about dinner plans. I tell you, our family is consumed with food. We talk about, should we do barbecue? Should we do pasta? Maybe we should do taco night. We've got some great bakers and cooks at our home. But you know, honestly, I, we have been having dinners, family dinners together more than I ever remember. When Shadi and I go for our daily walks in our neighborhood, I notice how many families are out there. I see dads with their kids walking. I see entire families walking or riding their bike, giggling, laughing. And I tell you, in the last 20 years that I've lived in this neighborhood, I've never seen this many families and their children out there. I think God is trying to show us and remind us of priorities in life. You know, when I reflect at these miracles, in the past, in my life, and what's going on even in my life today, then all of a sudden, all my doubt about God and his lack of concern for humanity in this pandemic, all the deaths, all the suffering, the job loss, all the bad news that we hear, all of a sudden turns to hope. I'm reminded of the hundreds of thousands of people who have recovered from this virus. I'm reminded of the billions of people who have been spared, which leads me to the third point and the final point of this message, that God's work is not on pause. Maybe our life routines are, maybe our life routines have shifted, have changed, but God is at work and his work is not on pause. As we read, Verses 13 and 15, Asaph says, Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of J Joseph, Jacob and Joseph. And then I'm going to jump to verse 19, 20, the last two verses, which reads, Your path 
led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters. Through your foot, though your footprint were not seen, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. As we reflect on God and his wonderful miracles, our posture changes to one of worshiping who God is. You notice that, how phrases that started with I in the first few verses have now switched to you. You see this change of posture in Asaph. I love this last verse in the song. It reflects the amazing miracle of the parting of the sea. Visually, it reminds me of epic movies like the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston as Moses. Or for some of you, maybe the Prince of Egypt. And I love the last scene where the people are, are stuck between the sea and the army. And you see the Pharaoh and the chariots and the army charging at them. And then Moses lifts up his staff over the water. And we see the water split and people walk through it. I get goosebumps watching that. Memories of God's miracles and his faithfulness sustained the people of Israel during their difficulties. They often recalled them, recalled this event, the parting of the sea, the great exodus, in much of their worship services. Isaiah also reflects on this event, but with a message of hope, a new hope, as we read in Isaiah 43. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and the reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a new way. I'm making a way in wilderness and streams in the wasteland. God is saying, you think the miracle of the Red Sea was a big deal? Forget it. I'm doing a new thing. It makes you wonder, what is that new thing that God was talking about? Isaiah describes it further. It says, I will pour out on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessings on your descendants. So what is that new thing that God was talking about? This awesome promise of God would be fulfilled in the coming of Jesus Christ and the outpouring of his spirit. I love how Jesus in his conversation with the Samaritan woman at the well describes what that water is. He says, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. Friends, we are the recipient of this awesome promise. We are the bearers of the spring of water of life and hope to a world that is desperate for meaning and purpose. Awakening, I see this season as an opportunity for God to work his plan among so many who have not yet known him. Awakening, you and I 
are a part of his plan. Let us use this opportunity to love, to love on our neighbors, to love on our community. Let us use this opportunity to pray, to pray that God will soften the hearts of so many, that God will bring people in our lives, that we may speak of his faithfulness and of his saving help. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this message. I thank you for your word, for the power of your word. I thank you that despite suffering, despite struggles, we can always count on you. We can reflect back on you and be encouraged, Lord, by you. I pray for everyone who's listening this to this message, Lord, that they would be encouraged in their life as they reflect on miracles, on your mighty deeds in their life, Lord. Protect us all, Lord, and we pray this in your precious name. Amen.